0: And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Good morning, Molly, Colin. We're going to continue in 1 Samuel 17 this morning, and we're going to continue our talk on friendship. But I want to make a little detour this morning and uh, look a little bit on the preparation of David going into the camp where um, Goliath is, you know, just Israel feels so defeated. Goliath is, you know, just be raiding them, um, and then uh, I want to look at David's relationship with his brothers um, mm. this morning. So we're going to look at that and a, and a bunch of other stuff, but um, Molly, we're going to read uh, the first few verses. Um, I'm going to have you pick up in verse 2. It says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shekah, which belongs to Judah, and pitched between Shekah and Ezekiah in Ephes Damamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah in the battle, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. Now, I know, Molly, I told you to continue in verse 2, but <laughs> I, uh, I'll let you finish after this brief moment of historical background with Colin Smith. Oh, All right.
1: Um, yeah, so yesterday we kind of talked about how the Bible has these what we call, I call them twin passages. Mm -hmm. And they're passages that they're exact same story, but different characters. And uh, last week we talked about 1 Samuel 13 and the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer Mm -hmm. going to the garrison and Saul sitting under the pomegranate tree. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a twin story. And do you know why the Bible gives two exact same stories? No. Well, um, Joseph tells us why. You know what Joseph says? He says, it came in twos because it was established by God. So when you see twos as two exact same Hmm, stories or scenarios back to back, it's because God has established it, or it's ordained by God, or it's fixed by Him. That's Hmm. amazing.
0: So is it kind of like two or three witnesses?
1: Sort of. Maybe it's yeah. Maybe it could be similar to that. Hmm, Yeah. Interesting. Well, here what's going on here is the similarities are striking. First, Saul is not taking the initiative; his inaction. When it says the Philistines gathered, that means that the Philistines determined where the fight was going to be Mm. so this is what happened the world gets us to fight on its terms Mm -hmm. it determines the the ground because we wait and we we don't take the initiative Mm. and so in this sets up the scene you know what the philistines choose Mm. if you look at this area in israel i'm i'm excited we're going to go there and see it this is just like an amphitheater and and you know how the the greeks and the aegeans fought Mm -hmm. just like achilles and just like, just like that story of, of the Iliad, they come out, a champion comes out, arrayed in his armor, and another champion comes out, and the armies are behind them. And it's just like, you know, an amphitheater, or later on, a, a Roman coliseum. Mm. So they're choosing the way the battle is fought, and this is not the way that the Lord's people were supposed to fight. Mm-hmm. But Saul, who is a natural champion, is not going out to fight. Just like in 1 Samuel 13, Saul, who is the only one who had iron armor besides for Jonathan, is not going out to fight. So you have to understand because of Saul's inactions, because they're letting the world dictate to them the terms on which they fight, the war is almost already lost. And they've already set the stage, drawn up in battle, and they're engaged in fighting a war the world's ways.
0: Well, what would be the way that a Christian would fight the battle? Well,
1: well Paul tells us we, we don't fight with tools, but no, with
0: flesh and blood.
1: Yes. We, fight. Well, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Mm-hmm. So our tools are the word of God and prayer, not fancy advertising or like these all these gimmicks that people use or going to surveys. Word of God and prayer are our tools, our so spiritual tools. you
2: were talking about in this instance there were two people <laughs> in the land who had iron armor, and so they were the ones who were expected to go and fight against Goliath. Yes. That's so ironic because David has just like a stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't even have armor.
1: Yeah. yeah, which is amazing. Um, in both cases, Jonathan is at a disadvantage. He's at the bottom of a steep hill, and he has mm. to fight his way up. David is shorter then. And in each instance, you, it appears that the Israelites have the disadvantage. Mm. But in reality, because they have the Lord, they have the advantage. And it takes spiritual sight to see this, and it's sight that Saul doesn't have. It's insight that comes with faith.
0: So I was thinking of the Apostle Paul. He writes that the weapons of our warfare— are not carnal, not worldly, not the way the world sets it up, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, Mm -hmm. casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. So um, that that requires us to really know his word. That requires us to be able to, you know, when, when people are talking about all the nonsense that's going on today with transgender and all of the immoral stuff that's happening in our culture we have to be we have to be so knowledgeable and wise to be able to communicate the truth of God's word that we're we're pulling down the strongholds this is such a fitting verse for what's going on here with Saul
1: Oh well, absolutely mm-hmm. if you wait for someone to say hey Colin what do you think about transgenderism at your workplace you've let them draw up the battle terms if you've already invited them to church and you've already got a Christian testimony, and you've mm. already talked to them about God and Jesus, and all the positive and, mm. and, and, and life changing truths that are just so pleasurable and enjoyable as a Christian. They're not going to ask you what you think about transgenderism.
0: That's amazing because it causes us to it requires us to be proactive in our Christian lives. You know, we were just thinking um, recently that we were going to go and visit every every house in uh, here in the village that we live in and hand out one of our books, Jessica's First Prayer, mm-hmm. which, by the way, a little advertisement, Jessica's First Prayer outsold the Alice in Wonderland 10 to 1 in 1867 and uh, became in, you know, a world internationally renowned um, story. And um, in doing that, being proactive like that, giving out the books for free, letting people, if they want them, they can read them, and then we'll go back the next month and offer them an alternative if, if you enjoyed this, then here, give us that back. And here's another one. You know, now we're being proactive in, in visiting people, caring for them, especially the elderly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're shut in. Many of them didn't have anything to do during COVID. They were shut in. People didn't care for them. So now we have an opportunity to really go out and show that we care. And, and so I, I, I like that approach. We have to be proactive. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I was first saved, this was in late 70s, our pastor he made it a point we were on evangelism on Wednesday night. So no, um, I take that back. It was Thursday night. So it was Sunday morning service, Sunday night we had Bible study. Wednesday night we had prayer meeting. and then on Thursday night, seven o'clock, we were there for evangelism. And there was always about a group of seven to ten of us that would show up. and you know, I'm a young Christian and you know, I didn't want to like knock on people's doors. You know, in fact, I'd get in front of a door and I'd knock at this real lightly and I'd wait like three seconds. Well, ah, no one's home and we'd walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want people to answer, you know. <laughs> so but then as, as time went on, you became more courageous and, and you started seeing people saved mm-hmm. and people baptized. And you're like, oh, this is we're, we're going to go reach more people.
1: Well, I think that's kind of like war. It's, it's the older, more experienced warriors who are supposed to lead the way. Mm. And once you've had a victory or two of bat, in battle, you start to get a taste for it. Mm. And so um, what we see here is that the most experienced leader of the army is refusing to take the initiative. Mm. And that's, that's where we're at. Okay.
0: So in verse, in verse um, 3, it says they're, they're on a mountain, okay? And there's, uh, in, in, in verse 4, it says the champion, Goliath, he comes out. Um, of this camp, and his height is six cubits in a um, in a span, and and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. Um, he had greaves of brass upon his legs. This guy's just, you know, he's got all this armor on and all this brass on. Can Imagine what he looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, target of brass, a brass between his shoulders. His staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head six hundred shekels of iron. Uh, sounds like very heavy. And one bearing shield went before him. And he stood and cried to the armies. And, of course, we know the story here. Um, he's, he's mocking them and, and tells, cho- tells Israel, Choose a man to come out against me, and if he be able to fight with me, to kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you'll be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me, the, give me a man that we might fight together. And I can't imagine Saul listening to all of this. You know, Saul's kind of like trembling, you know, in his tent. Um, how how humiliating! Mm. And now we come to David. Molly, verse twelve. You want to read that?
2: Uh, now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years. In the days of Saul, the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn. Next to him, Abinadab, and the third Shema, David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, "'Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare.' and bring back news of them.
0: Okay, so this is this is important. Back then, the armies were fed by the families. You know, they had donors that would feed them. And so, you know, if you went out, if you had 10,000 people, 30,000 people in an army, how'd you feed all these people? Mm. They would go and ravish other people's lands sometimes, but the families, are the ones that fed them, or donors. You know, the ancient mm-hmm. Greeks had donors that would take care of certain sections. Some would pay for the food, some would pay for the, the clothing, some would pay for the, arm, the their armor and so here David's family is taking care of you know their own his own brothers bringing the cheese and so forth but I like verse 20 and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went and Jesse had as Jesse had commanded him and he came to a trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle now this is interesting because notice it says that David left the sheep with a keeper so David's his responsibility is to watch his father's sheep but his father wants him to go out and and help you know, feed his brothers. Is they're probably quite famished. You know how much food is required. You know, every day you gotta you gotta eat, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, they're not finding any food out there. Where this, I've been here. There's no place they're gonna find. You know, a Seven Eleven. You know, so this is this is they're they're like, who's gonna where am I gonna get my next meal? And as he talked with them, behold, there came up. The champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine, and spoke according to the same words. And David heard them. I like that. Remember the emphasis on hearing. Yes,
1: yes. Explain that. Well, the, um, the whole book of Samuel has a theme. Uh, the biggest theme, I think, is hear. The word Shamu El, which is Samuel's name, means to hear. If you think about Samuel, what happens? When does he? When does he become a prophet? Hmm. He hears. Right When he hears a little boy, he hears God speaking. Hmm. And so the whole theme of the book of Samuel is to hear and obey, which are synonymous. And you have characters that hear and obey, like Samuel Hmm. and David. And you have characters that hear and don't obey, like, say, Eli, Saul. Hmm. And so you you see this difference. So there's this theme of hearing. And in this particular part, um, Goliath comes out at a very particular time. He comes out at the time for morning prayers. And what, what is the morning prayer of all of Israel? The Shema, to hear. Hmm. hear so they're supposed to hear, hear, O Israel, your Lord God is one. Instead, they're hearing Goliath. Hmm. He's taking up the space that God is supposed to occupy. Once again, they're letting the world take up the space God is supposed to occupy and dictate them to battle.
0: Boy, that happens to all of us, doesn't it? Things that we listen to takes up the space yeah. of what God wants to occupy in and our you, lives. And
1: you know what they put in the place? In place of God's hero Israel, the Lord God is one, mm-hmm. and of reassurance, strength, you're the covenant people of God. They replace it with doubt, fear, questioning their identity, questioning their God, all what the world does. It takes up space in our mind and replaces it with questioning.
0: You know, that happens a lot with our music today, the things that we listen to, the films that we watch. All of that replaces... What God wants to occupy in our hearts and our lives with those types of thoughts, from, you know, from sexual thoughts to thoughts of violence. You know, the, the violence that people are watching today, it makes them not want to be peacemakers. Mm. You know, we're, we're replacing what God wants. I was, I was reading in, in, in um, James, you know, the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of good works— and the peace, you know, it, it's it, we're, to be peacemakers, we have to have God's word occupy us to kind of guide us in the direction we need to go on a daily basis. Oh,
1: absolutely. And, and lust is just simply not believing that God is good. He's, he's not good enough for you, and you're trying to replace what mm. he's given you with what you think you need. Mm. The same thing is true with anger and fear and doubt. That's so the world's plan is replacement. But God also has a plan of replacement. He takes away that fear. He takes away that doubt, and he replaces it with an identity, with confidence.
0: That's where that verse comes in, bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to bring all of our thoughts. We have to take our thoughts captive
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, so that Christ can be all in all in us. Yep. We think like he does.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the world the world is trying to influence us. Goliath is influencing them. He's winning the war before the war is even fought by convincing them that the wow. war is lost.
0: That is so amazing in our culture today. That's, that's what's happening in our churches, in our schools. Um, we are being convinced through the world system, through, through what Hollywood is producing, through what music is producing, we're being convinced subtly mm. to buy into, you know, their worldview. You know, that God isn't good, that God doesn't keep his promises, that God doesn't work all things together for good, and that the suffering that you're going through, you know, who is this loving God that allows these things to happen, rather than realizing and seeing that God allows these things so that he might give us his unquenchable love, you know, and uh, experience that. Hmm. Okay. This is this is we're going to end here. We're going to go to this part here. So, so Israel is verses twenty-two to twenty-six. Um, Goliath has been, you know, just reproaching Israel, and uh, the men of Israel. David comes on the scene with his loaves of bread and, and um, cheese. And David spoke to the men in verse 26 that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that kills the Philistine? I like David's first question. I like this. David comes on the scene and is like, okay, so what happens if someone kills this guy, you know, and, mm. and, uh, and, and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is, I love this, Colin mentioned this yesterday, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Yep. Colin?
1: Absolutely. He's, he's just like Jonathan in the garrison. Who are these uncircumcised Philistines? Mm. He's looking at his identity. Goliath is trying to get them to doubt their identity and to doubt their God. He says, who is this? This guy's uncircumcised. He, he doesn't have the Lord as his God. He doesn't have this promise that this land is his. He's standing on land that was promised to us. And the promise is backed by God. Mm. And who is he to defy God? Mm.
0: The world is always trying to... Uh Convince us on their terms, but we need to see the world on God's terms.
1: He sees himself as a member of the, of the people who have been promised the land. He sees himself through the eyes of the promises of God, and it transforms his view of the world.
0: We need to see ourselves as sons and daughters of a king who have promises. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll work all things together for good. Test me, I'll open up the storehouse of heaven to you. Um, there's so many verses, so many pro- 8,767 promises of God of how we're, be not, be not fearful.
1: And, you know? and this is where faith comes in. Faith sees the promises of God as more real than what it sees in front of them. Just like Abraham saw the promise of God as more real than the fact that he had no children. Mm-hmm. He's an old man. He, he, he sees his wife is old and he's old, but he believes God. And what happens? It's counted to him for righteousness. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's good. And in, ch- in chapter 4 of Romans, it says that Abraham was fully convinced that God would do as he said. He would keep his promises.
1: And that's exactly what David's convinced. He's fully convinced, despite the size wow. of the army, this intimidating champion, that God will keep his promises. Hmm.
0: Colin, that reminds me of Joshua chapter 1, uh, verses 7 through 9, you know, um, where he says, Be strong and courageous. You know? Fear not for the Lord thy God is with you. Neither be dismayed. That word dismayed is the word for shattered. Mm. Don't let your faith be shattered. Mm. You know, don't let your courage be shattered. You know, when I was, I was studying this word, this idea of, of being shattered, it's a person who just kind of falls apart. They um, they, they can't, they, they, they crawl into a hole. They have to build walls. They don't want to be hurt anymore. Mm. Okay. So they've lost the They've lost their identity, they've lost their promises of God, that God isn't really going to be with them. Because that's what Joshua 1 is all about, right? This book of the law will not depart out of my mouth. Notice how it starts, the book of the law not departing out of my mouth. So we have to rehearse the Mm -hmm. Word of God to know it, okay? This book of the law will not depart out of my mouth, but I'll meditate on it day and night, that I may observe to do according to all that is written therein, and then I'll make my way prosperous, and then I shall find good success be strong and courageous and fear not mm-hmm. for the lord thy god is with you neither be dismayed this word shattered right and it's a, it's a person who has his faith shattered it falls apart and when i was studying it it i came upon the story about a woman she was 33 years old she was in los angeles she fell and she um um she put her arm down to to break her fall And she broke her arm, brought her to the hospital. They did x-rays. Her bones inside her arm were shattered. Mm. Okay? And the doctor Mm -hmm. said this to her. First question, have you been suffering severe depression? And she says, for several years now, total depression, Mm -hmm. been on medication for it, et cetera, et cetera. And he said to her, he goes, depression actually hollows out the bones. Hmm. It makes the bones brittle, and I'm. I was thinking this idea of shattered. That that's what happens to us, not only in a physical sense, but in a mm-hmm. spiritual sense. We can. No, we're, we're no longer able to stand strong in the day of the battle when things are coming against you. But notice how Joshua dealt with this. This book of the law will not depart out of my mouth. But I'll meditate on it day and night. And by the way, that that's God only requires us to study the Bible twice a day. <laughs> Day and day and night. Yeah, I know. okay. It's a terrible <laughs> joke. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> okay, let's keep going here. So the people answered David and said, um, "Yeah, um, the king's going to give you his daughter to 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 marry, and he, you know, you'll be the king's son-in-law. Which means this is huge. Which means you could be the next king in line if you're if you're there.
1: Or or even better, you're exempt from taxes. <laughs> okay. As for, an American, that's the one I want.
0: Okay." Verse 28 and 29, we're going to end here, and we're going to get you to go to class. you got some students waiting for you. Yeah. And it says, And Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men. Now this is David saying, like, well, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And, you know, who who is he to dare defy the, the army of Israel? Mm-hmm. And, and they're listening to this kid. David's just a kid, right? Talk about
2: convicting. That would be very kind of humiliating yeah. to hear from your sibling.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so here, here we go. I like this. Eliab, the eldest brother. It says, it says he went and spoke unto the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. So here's his big brother,
1: mm-hmm.
0: angry at David, which kind of shit tells me a little bit that kind of what the relationship might have been like earlier. He says, why did you come? I'm going to do it in my own version. You ready? <laughs> Why'd you come here, you little punk? And who's taking care of the sheep? You know?
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Kind of a slap in the face, too. He was bringing them food.
1: I I know. Well, also too. Notice it says he heard when he heard this. Why wasn't he angered when he heard Goliath? Ooh. He's angered when he hears his brother. Oh, man. oh,
0: that's good.
1: He's angry at the wrong thing. Colin
0: always sees these amazing yeah. things. That's so cool. Okay, the next next line, Molly, um, read it in your version. I'm going to read it in mine. And right after he says, "Who who left the sheep in the wilderness?"
2: I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. <laughs> this. this
0: you haven't really come to feed us. You just come to see what's going on.
2: <laughs> You're so prideful, David.
0: <laughs> so, so here's David being, you know, humiliated, right? Mm-hmm. And David's like, "No, I'm really listening to this giant you know, making you guys afraid. Well, I'm not afraid. You know, yeah. and, and that only makes his brother more angry. Mm-hmm. And David said, I love this. Read it in your version, Molly, verse 29.
2: What have I done now? <laughs> <laughs> Can you just picture yeah. it? So <laughs> yeah. something about the history of these two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, this must have been going on a lot. I don't think they liked each other. No. Yeah, well, what have I done now? What's your, What does it say next?
2: Is there not a cause?
0: Is there not a cause? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Cole is raising his eyebrows.
2: <laughs> Isn't that like talking about like, is there not a reason why I'm here, which is for the food, or is it something else?
1: Or is not a cause for me talking? Mm. Um, or is there a cause for you to be angry? Yeah. Um,
0: I think David's actually saying here like, um, excuse me, bigger brother, but um, there's a giant up there. And I think the reason that... Um, you should be doing something the reason that i'm upset about this is because there's a giant that's defying the lord thy god mm-hmm. and yes there is a cause i'm i'm standing here right now because mm-hmm. i'm not going to let this guy talk to talk against our god this way mm-hmm. don't you get it so
1: well, well there's fear going on in the camp mm-hmm. and i think there's fear of two people in particular so so what i'm noticing in this is that David sees things from his perspective and his brother sees them from his. Mm -hmm. So David being – I think he's not being a kid here. I think he's being a brilliant military tactician. Mm. And what I mean is he's thinking logistically, why am I bringing you supplies? Why have they dried up? Mm. This war should be over. The leaders should have already sealed this war. This should be done. Logistically, When you, the longer you go in war, the weaker you get, the more men have been in camp. Why is this dragging on? This is militarily. This is a blunder. And you know why his brother gets mad, I think, part of it? Hmm. Because they're, they're afraid of Goliath. Saul's afraid of Goliath. Everyone knows it. And they're afraid of Saul. Don't speak bad about Saul. The one guy, the elephant in the room. Don't, don't say that. He's okay. nuts. He's a crazy man. We're all afraid of him. So he's like, shh, don't say anything. And David's like, I'll say what I want to say. Yeah. This is wrong. David is already anointed king. He's mm-hmm. acting like a king.
0: You know, it's interesting. In verse 30, it says after he tells his brother, hey, like, don't you see the reason that mm-hmm. we're in this situation? I, there's a cause here. The cause is someone needs to shut this, this giant up,
1: you know? But, but could you imagine telling the anointed king of Israel, why are you here? You troublemaker! <laughs> his brother is literally saying that to the anointed king of Israel, and he knows he's anointed because he was passed over, yeah. Yeah. which might be a little bit of why he's oh, salty.
0: Oh, interesting! His older brother yeah. got passed over in, from having the oil poured on him by Samuel
1: in the previous oh. passage because his heart was not right.
0: Oh, Ooh. that's oh, crazy! Interesting. A little bit of jealousy, going yeah, and there.
1: a little bit of fear of Saul. A little yeah. bit of you're trying. A little bit of anger, maybe mm-hmm. resentment at being passed over. Mm-hmm.
0: So look at, look at verse 30. I like this. As soon as David has this kind of like argument with his older brother, he turns, it says, verse 30. <laughs> he turns from his <laughs> older brother and he starts speaking the same words to another person. Like, what's going on here? Why are you, and it says this. And the people answered him again after the former manner. Like, this is what you'll get. To the, this is what the man will get, whoever defeats Goliath. Mm. And when the words were heard, verse 31, which David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this, this Philistine. And I like this. And Saul says, um, you're just a kid. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a kid. Goliath's been a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And I like this. Guys, ready for this? Yeah. He It says, after he did this with the lion and the bear, he took the lamb out of the mouth of the lion and the bear. And then it came up and rose up against David. So David, this was like a fight. He gets mm-hmm. the lamb out of the mouth. And then the animal goes and attacks David after David's got the lamb in his hands, oh, wow. in his arms. And it says, and then, so picture this, David's got the lamb... Puts the lamb down. It says, "Then I caught the lion and the the bear by the beard, and I smote him." David must have had a knife, and he smote him. So David's—he's just—he—he knows his responsibility. By the way, when you don't bring back an animal that you're watching, Mm -hmm. you have to pay back fourfold. You know, so David's fulfilling his responsibilities. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest preparations of becoming a king is to fulfill your responsibilities when you're young. The little things in life are important. David's watching these sheep. By the way, that was not the easiest job. He's out in the cold in the wilderness at night. You know, he's got no one to fellowship with. Super lonely. Yeah, but guess what he's doing while he's out there? He's throwing stones and hitting the tin can on the fence post. He's using his sling. He's becoming highly skilled. He's putting sheep Wool together in strands of three, and making instruments. He's he plays instruments. He's writing music. He's writing poetry. David's not just dwindling his time doing nothing. Mm -hmm. He's doing something all the time. And as a result of his amazing preparation, he's a musician. He's a poet. He's a songwriter. He's a marksman. Mm -hmm. Um, David. He's had time with amazing prayers with God, and he's seen God deliver him in situations that he never could have been mm. prepared with before, a lion and a bear. And that, those times in the wilderness that he had those experiences, he's like, whoa, this is a real God, you know, and God prepared him for this day to meet Goliath.
1: Mm. Amen.
0: So— Let's just end here, guys. It says, verse 37, And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. We have to have previous experiences where God is real in our lives, Mm -hmm. where um, young people are, and this is a great opportunity here at Lamplighter. Mm -hmm. You know, they get to experience this now, you know, answers to prayer on a daily basis. Is my God real? Is he with me? Those preparations will prepare you for what God's called you to do in the future. Um, Saul armed David with his armor.
1: And then once again, what is he doing? Well, Saul is trying to get David to fight the ways of the world Mm -hmm. with the tools of the world, the ways of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Saul even questions David's identity. He says, you're a lad. Um, Now, in the previous passage, it said he was a mighty man of war. But what he means is, compared to him, you're a lad. Mm. So Saul is looking and comparing, and that's where he's getting his view of the world. David is looking at God's promises and getting his view of himself. Mm. So, Whoa. And the interesting that's, thing, too, is so cool. the anointed king of Israel, the two anointed kings of Israel, only one of them is asking the right questions. One's asking the wrong question, who are you compared to this guy? What are you going to do? The other one's asking, "Who is this guy compared to God?" Mm.
0: Whoa! <laughs> okay, we're going to end this on this that note. That is an amazing statement. Yeah. Wow, Colin, thank you so much. That was that was a powerful ending. Mm-hmm. And uh, those that are listening, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another Fast and Like Nails podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do this again, Molly, soon. Yeah. Colin, thanks again. Thank or, you. God bless. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts you have a question you would like to submit for the lamplighter team visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form that's lamplighter.net slash podcast